Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Devendra Hardwar. And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. On tonight's episode of the podcast, we got some what we've been watching, we got some weekly plugs for you, and then we're going to move on into an in-depth review. This week, we'll be reviewing Sound of Metal, which is out right now on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com or join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. That's patreon.com slash and then the words film podcast. If you want to support us over there, get some cool stuff as well. Now, before we get to any of the stuff that I just mentioned, I do want to have a couple follow-ups from last week. Uh, we talked about the HBO Max situation. Talked about how the rollout of the HBO Max situation was not optimal. And I'm referring, of course, to the the fact that HBO Max announced that they were going to be streaming day and date all 17 Warner Brothers releases in the year 2021. Yep. And uh, in the time since then, uh, more filmmakers have uh, have come out and said they are not really yeah. for what HBO Max is doing. Denis Villeneuve being a, a big one. Uh, nobody is Ryan. for it, really. I think other than Soderbergh, like <laughs> yeah. nobody yeah. Yeah, affected yeah, yeah. is enjoying this. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Denis Villeneuve actually wrote uh, an editorial, I guess, for Variety, uh, just basically blasting the decision. Uh, he says, "Quote: uh, Streaming services are a positive and powerful addition to the movie and TV ecosystems, but I want the audience to understand that streaming alone can't sustain the film industry as we knew it before COVID. Streaming can produce great content, but not movies of Dune's scope and scale. Warner Brothers' decision means Dune won't have a chance to perform financially in order to be viable, and piracy will ultimately triumph. Warner Brothers might have just killed the Dune franchise." End quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a concern, you know. We touched upon it a little bit last week, but the the idea that, however good it does on HBO Max, it, it, Dune is likely not going to justify a sequel, right? Because, uh, you know, and uh, Soderbergh put it well in his uh, his his uh, interview over at Daily mm-hmm. Beast, right? You were referring to this, right, Devendra? Yeah, because Soderbergh was like, uh, "It's pretty cool. He's pretty cool with it, right?" With, with what's He's happening. He's like, "This is what I've been saying for the past decade, guys. Make small, weird movies. Come on." Yeah. Also, yeah. I, didn't I retire like ten years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says. Um, I think somebody sat down and did a very clear-eyed analysis of what COVID is going to do in the next year, even with a potential vaccine, and said, I don't see this as being workable in 2021. Because let's be clear, there is no bonanza in the entertainment industry that is the equivalent of a movie that grosses a billion dollars or more theatrically. That is a holy grail. So the theatrical business is not going away. There are too many companies that have invested too much money in the prospect of putting out a movie that blows up in theaters. There is nothing like it. It's all going to come back. But I think Warner's is saying, not as soon as you think, end quote. Sure, sure. I don't know if he's right about the first half, though. I mean... I think I think what everybody is afraid of that he doesn't really address there is that what this does is changes consumer habits. Yeah. And if yes, everybody wants that bonanza from the money side right, because right. they think the money can be gained there, but if consumers go I don't really want to go out and spend $14 on a popcorn, you know, I'd rather stay home and and spend $3 on microwave popcorn. Uh, because it's easier and I've just decided that's how I live now, I think then there won't be the potential for a billion dollar 
film franchise. Yeah. I'm not saying that has already happened or yeah. I, I'm not saying it's it's Im- impossible for the for the theatrical experience to come back. I think it is possible. But I do think there's a danger and I think that's what everybody's worried about is when you create different expectations in the consumer's mind, mm-hmm. the consumer says, "Oh, well this is possible. There's nothing special about a movie being in a theater." Well, yeah, that's yeah. not what I want. And then, of course, the people who want money chase what the, the consumer wants. And all of a sudden, that billion dollar thing is just gone. I think the big thing is we, we don't know. We don't know anything right. right now. This is uncharted territory. I do I do think that I, I don't know if a year of HBO or Warner doing this is going to destroy what we expect out of movies. And I wonder if by the end of next year, a lot of people are going to be like, man, this was this was nice, but maybe I maybe I am getting a little tired of seeing this movie at home because actually not everybody has giant TVs, although they're getting cheaper. Uh, but not everybody has like a nice home setup. So I do wonder like there could easily be the thing. And Jeff, I feel like your time has come. The Avatar sequels will light like I'm not even joking here. <laughs> I think cinema. a major event like that could actually Dude. literally save cinema because this will we be, need those big things and you got to go somewhere to see it and there's no way to do it at home. So yeah, this will, be, will save us. This will be the greatest crow eating moment in the history of time. Yeah, it only took a pandemic and millions of lives lost, Jeff, for your point worth, to be made. Worth, yes. worth. Worth it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think, you know, it's the answer somewhere in between where, uh, yes, you're right, Jeff, this new HBO Max thing might reshape consumer behavior. But I also think what Soderbergh is saying is that because they have invested so much in this, mm-hmm. that they will take actions to right. make it to, to get people out into the theater, right? Whether those actions will work, we don't know. But one of those actions is probably going to be you know, bringing back the theatrical window whenever that is possible. <laughs> if the, M- you know? if sure. the next wave of the MCU is only in theaters, then right, people are going to go to theaters. People will go to theaters. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, so, uh, but yeah, we'll, well we'll talk about what. Yes and no. I mean, there's a lot of question marks, right? Because oh, if Jeff. Te- if, oh, Jeff. I, listen, go. I'm just saying there's a lot of question marks. We don't know what the world is going to be like. You know, honestly, we really don't. And it, it, I think we could have all said, you know, well, if tenants in theaters, people are going to go to theaters, and that's kind of true, but also wasn't, right? So I I do think people want to go see movies in theaters and they will come out for the big Marvel movie. They will come out for the big Star Wars movie, et cetera, et cetera. Unless the world is fucked up in other weird way, right? This is is not a given anymore. And I think that that's that's sad, but true. I think it's a fair point, Tenet was kind of the outlier, by the way. Like Tenet was just like, we shall not leave the theatrical experience and you look around there's nobody else making that stand so i think that was the thing there normally yeah normally tent would be huge yeah uh yeah i i think you you know there's a lot to what you're saying jeff and uh we'll see if uh, it it turns out okay for theaters or not um I I, I, I do don't think like so well for let, me, but let me put this out yeah. let me put this out I'm, there too I'm though like for theaters I'm rooting for theaters don't, as, don't get we, me wrong. as we will discuss next week in our tenant review right uh-huh. like maybe tenant wasn't exactly the best choice to test people's willingness sure. to go to theaters uh, I, I mean you gotta you know the mental exercise of like imagine if this was Avengers Endgame right like right. would we have actually risked our lives to go to or theaters Rise and, of Skywalker mm-hmm. right like it's just like mm, I don't 
fortunately I don't need to think about that, but like yeah. if I if I had to think about it, it's possible I would yeah, yeah. I would have gone to the theaters to say like, yeah, that's worth I, it's possible I would have said like that's worth risking my life to see Avengers Endgame. But yeah. but the future um, scenario I'm talking about, by the way, is one where we have a vaccine and even yeah. if people are dumb and choose not to get it, like the the amount of people who are vaccinated makes you know, you know it makes it safe enough overall for everybody. So I'm thinking like you're not risking your life to go see these movies. I think 2021, if I had to predict, like 2020, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say it's probably going to go down as the worst year of our lives. And by the way, that is a statement of hope. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Hope. It's only better from here. Yeah. That's like, hopefully it turns better from here. Um, I'm going to say- Can you imagine 2020... a worse year than 2021? <laughs> well, Jeff, I think, I'm pretty sure you said something like, man, 2019, yeah. the worst, no, I am know. I right? Well, that's the problem, right? <laughs> is that uh, it, things can always get worse, right? You know, I'm, yeah, you know, yeah. d- d- cut to next year when we're playing this clip <laughs> and I'm sitting in the- you know, the, the hotel room in some strange state because California's big one happened and it fell off the side of the plane of the continent. And yeah, there's, there are worse things that can happen. So, but, but I think I would say that 20, uh, 21, if I had to guess, if I had to guess how it's going to go, uh, I think it's going to be a weird year. I think it's going to be weird because this vaccine is going to roll out and not everyone's going to get it at once. And there's going to be this weird in-between time where like millions of people have been vaccinated and are relatively safe and millions of people haven't been vaccinated. And there's, there's going to be like different classes of people, like the people who've been vaccinated can go out and go laughing and riding and cornholing. Yeah. It's the end you of know. contagion. You have your, your virus pass. Yeah. Yeah. They're just and, cornholing and cornholing yeah. as far yeah. as the eye can see. That's right. That's right. Just yeah. fields of vaccinated cornholers just <laughs> cornholing away. It's so true. It's and so honestly, true. So, I think we we know that the film industry has more to fear from cornhole than anything else. Uh, there's only so much time to spend doing doing entertainment, and the draw to cornhole is uh, undeniable. You know, it's uh listen, listen, yeah. There's no denying it. We're joking, by the way, but when I say movies are going to be back in theaters, you also can bet your ass it's going to be, you know, the next Marvel series in Disney theaters because AMC is dead and the major chains are, you know, dead. And now it's it's fair game for these studios to have their own theaters again. It's uh, it's the the experience is going to be back, but it may look more like Alamo Drafthouse, like we were saying, but you'll be paying Disney instead of Alamo. And more expensive. More expensive. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, AMC has said they're going to run out of money next year, early next year. They only need 750 million to keep going. They only need 750 million. I mean, Jeff, go across the street, you know, start a Patreon (laughs) for that one AMC. (laughs) Uh, I think that. That's only uh, that's I, only like four large popcorns, <laughs> seven hundred fifty million. <laughs> it's still it's still possible there could be like a big ticket donor comes in and swoops in. It's still yeah. possible they get some federal relief. You know, it's not it's not completely over for them yet, but it definitely doesn't look very good. Uh, I, I also want to read this email by the way. So uh, we talked about filmmakers that have been coming out talking about this HBO Max decision. Soderbergh is uh, is not super down on it, although he's not super high on it either. Uh, obviously, uh, directors like Denis Villeneuve are not happy about it at all. Um, and then there's Christopher Nolan, who is out there giving interviews to NPR, talking about how terrible a decision this is. Yeah, he's on the uh, yeah. <laughs> the Nolan press tour of bagging on his own 
his own company or his own well uh, you something know, that kim masters pointed out recently on actually on that uh very interview with uh, i think it was all things considered is that uh there are very few people in the world that can do what Christopher Nolan does, which is yeah. uh, create a movie that makes a billion dollars. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's just hard to do that. Uh, it's hard to make an Inception. It's hard to make a Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight. And for it's so, I think the fact that uh, Warner Brothers has so profoundly alienated him is well, just not, they it's also not good. bent the knee for the entire summer. To him, you know, they they did an extraordinary (laughs) number of things only to make that one person happy. It's somebody somebody did the math of potential people who could get sick seeing our movie. Right, that math had to have been done. And man, he's not happy. Yeah, I mean, Christopher Nolan is a unique case, right? I mean, I I love his movies, but uh, you know his. This sort of whininess is a, is a, is a bit yeah, yeah. hard to take at some times because they did they did they bent over extraordinarily to <laughs> talking about Cornell. Like, <laughs> they they um you know any I think any other studio would have released yeah. that movie in a very different way uh, yes. and and probably made more money with it. So uh, you know mm-hmm. who knows. We did get we, this email from somebody who asked to remain nameless. Uh, and he's, he or she said, uh, I would like to keep my name, uh, out of this, but, uh, they, Rhymes with this, Blistopher Blolin. <laughs> <laughs> this person, <laughs> that sounds like a gross name, by the way. Yeah. Blistopher. So my name is Blistopher. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this person, uh, had a friend who was an assistant for Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. And he said that it was very difficult to assist someone like Christopher Nolan because he doesn't own a cell phone. So uh, he also has all of his emails printed out every morning, which he then I hate these people. I've encountered <laughs> these people. His emails the are pressed onto vinyl, which he then puts on <laughs> an old timey record player, which he mm-hmm. then physically responds with pen and paper, which they, the assistant, then had to transcribe and email back to the person. <laughs> And then yeah. once they receive a response, they print the email out and do it all over again. So is as this, Devin- this is verified, I feel it's like some, this is a joke. This, this is a Mank like level joke. shit. That's the yeah. stuff you saw in Mank, like in, back <laughs> in the you know in the forties, like the 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 uh, the indulgences of Hollywood. You know, it's like anything for the star. You know, it's like this kind of I, how it feels. I, I have actually in my IT days, I have helped people who basically functioned like this, and they were like you know major tenured professors. Uh, or, or people working at a college and their assistants would kind of handle everything and print things out. And I cannot imagine Christopher Nolan. He is not a very old man. You know, like yeah. he, it's an he, affectation. he lives in that's an world. affectation. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not like a I limitation. Would, I would like some proof for this, please. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't even think I was supposed to read out even that much. So, okay. suffice it. But I mean, it does kind of jive with all the other things we've heard about Christopher Nolan. Like, uh, remember when that whole chair thing happened? I think that was this past yeah. summer. Yeah, you know the he doesn't allow chairs on set, which I just don't. You know, it's which not, was by the way a whole other you know. thing. Like that was like, it was it was no chairs in like the editing area or something. Like it wasn't it was the, yeah like the the video chairs. village area. Yeah, with the uh, chairs with have the to be printed out on mm. physical paper and then delivered to me, which then I then sit on by hand. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so as Devendra elegantly put it, Christopher Nolan is very much living in the past is what this listener. Sure. uh, This listener's conclusion was. And also that um, 
the, the listener continues, it's not surprising that Nolan believed the pandemic uh, wouldn't affect his film in theaters. But again, it makes me think how delusional and privileged he must think he must be to think that we'd want to see his film that bad that we would risk dying to see it. End mm-hmm, quote. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, reflecting back on the summer, uh, the whole tenant rollout really left a terrible taste in yes. my mouth with Christopher. Yeah. Like just uh, I, I, there was quite a time and we talked about it on, on the podcast where I was thinking, oh, Nolan's just trying to look out for the theaters. He knows that if the theaters die, like we'll all have lost something. He's and even in the All Things Considered interview that he did recently, he was talking about this isn't going to affect me, but it's all the below the line people that are going to be affected. And it's just mm-hmm. like, huh? I, I just feel like <laughs> the way that the whole tenant thing played out with it being in theaters and you know Tom Cruise doing the stunt where he went to the theater to go oh see it to God. say it was. It's just like it just really left a, a bad taste. It really left me feeling like. Like I tried to give him every benefit of the doubt. I tried to feel like, hey, I remember our conversation, right? Too. I tried to be yeah, like, this yeah. guy, he just he's looking out for the theaters, man. And then at one point, it just became clear that that was no longer the case, and he just wanted people to go pay to see his movie, mm-hmm. um, and or or at the very least was willing to disregard the potential risks that people going to see his movie uh, would have. But yeah, I didn't. I don't get the sense that it was about going to pay to see his movie i don't think it was like sure oh, you got sure. i want the most revenue from this thing it felt more like experience he cares about like the experience That's vision right. of That's seeing right. it yeah which you know normally i respect right i, I respect an artist <laughs> yeah. who's committed to that but in this case it just seems it seems a little yeah. crass yeah. and and wrong-headed like like jeff you practice the unsullied life and we yes. all know about that but if that if that really? all of a sudden would, uh, <laughs> if I, yeah. If I need to if see that put tra- lives the, in danger, the I do vaccine, feel like. The vaccine is embedded in a trailer and it is only, <laughs> you have to get yes, it through yes. your eyeballs and I have to watch a trailer for the next big Marvel movie. I think you'd be I'm fine. not going to stick. I'm not going to stick to the unsullied life. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to, exactly. good to hear, Jeff. Exactly. That's good to hear. By the way, as we're talking about all this stuff, $700 million is not that much money in the grand scheme of things. Like think about the people who have this money and they're just yeah. sitting on it, right? Like Larry Ellison, the father of Megan Ellison, could pay that money. Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. he paid 10, was it? He invested $40 million in the 10,000 year clock. It's just a couple more 10,000 year clocks and he has all <laughs> yeah. the theaters in the country, in the world actually. You know, I'll be, sure to, uh, I'll be sure to mention that to him in, in our next meeting. Yeah. Um, but he yeah, sure knows it's, how to waste it's, money. Yeah. it's true. Uh, <laughs> it's not how I would describe it, but <laughs> it's uh, it's true that anyone could come in, swoop in, and kind of help him out, uh, or help out AMC, and or we'll just see buy them. if that, yeah, or buy them, and we'll see if that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon the, AMC it has a nice ring to it. The only other thing I want to say about this topic, or not about this topic, uh, but the only other thing I want to say before we get to what we're watching is. Uh, listeners may be aware that Disney announced a, I think the technical term is a shit ton of news last week. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a shit ton is, I think, the metric unit uh, that is used to measure it. And uh, we will be discussing that in depth in the Slash Filmcast After Dark this week. Uh, so it should be a fun segment where we riff on it. And if you want to hear it first, patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Uh, and it'll be released for everyone later in the week. So... Uh, just a couple of announcements uh, about what's going on this week in the news and in the world before we dive into what we've been watching. Hey, let me tell you about our sponsor, Quip, my toothbrush. Oh, my goodness. You know Quip, the electric toothbrush that I talk about all the time because I have four of them in my home for every member of my family. 
Well, now they have a sleek, reusable floss pick that you'll want to use next. You know how you, you don't floss enough? I'm sure you're like me and you don't floss enough. Why? Because it's awkward. You don't, you don't, you don't want to bring those disposable picks that are littering the street. You don't want to bring floss in a, you know, big string of floss on the go. Whatever you're doing, it's inconvenient. Well, guess what? Quip has solved all that. They have a durable handle on their reusable floss pick that's easy to guide. It restrings with a click so you don't have to throw it away. And it comes with a compact mirrored dispensing case for flossing wherever you happen to be. Plus a single refill pod replaces over 180 single-use plastic flossers. So it's better for your teeth and better for the environment. You're not just throwing those things away. Are you not a pick person? Well, Quip also has refillable floss string that expands to clean. Pair your floss with the perfect electric toothbrush. They have one for kids and adults. My kids have them. They love them. I have one. I love it. You want it because it vibrates. It tells you that you've gone two minutes, which is the dentist recommended amount of time. I never don't floss for two minutes now. And I'm always using the tip top bristles because I get the new brush head floss toothpaste refills every three months from just five bucks. Shipping is free. So I save money and I skip the store. I'm always doing the best thing for my oral hygiene. This holiday season, check out Quip's exclusive deals. And if you go to getquip.com slash filmcast right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash filmcast. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash the word filmcast. F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, Quip. Better oral health made simple. All right, let's get to what we've been watching. Jeff Kanata. Yes, that's me. Tell me what you've been watching. Well, uh, I've watched a a couple of movies this week. Um, The first is a movie called Freaky, which I rented for the the early access sum of $20. I want that early access. I we we had considered pitching this uh like I, I mean I had considered pitching this to you guys as a main review. Mm-hmm. Yes. It got the second most votes on our Patreon when we asked people to vote on it. Yes. Um but be, like this, this is a packed month. We got uh Sound of Metal this week, which I think was the right choice compared to Freaky. I'm just going to put that out there. Um and then we have a uh, Tenet next week and then we got a uh, we got Wonder Woman the week after. So it's just really like It's feast or famine this 2020. You know yep, what I'm saying? Yep, we got yep. uh, we get weeks where we're like scrambling for anything and then we here we are at the end of the year. I mean, I guess the end of the year is always a lot of uh, big yeah, releases, it's true. but it's true. But I, I really wanted to watch Freaky as well, but it's like $20 and I'm like it is $20, I, I've been yeah. burned I've been burned so many like I, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> it feels bad to pay $20 to rent something and yes. then literally 2 weeks later you can pay $15 to own it. Like, that's true. Yeah. That's what happened with good. like or, Kajillionaire. Or nothing to and, watch it. Or nothing to watch. Right. Or it's on Netflix or Prime Video or whatever. And so I, I see it. I'm like, I really want to watch this freaky movie. And, but like, I'd rather pay to own it in like this a is, month. You know, th- this week, Dave, I spent $40 on two movies. Uh, mm. And, you know, it's like it's like going to the movie theater. It's like you I'm, had a movie theater across the ho- uh, street from your house or something like that. It would be kind of like that. I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, there was a time. And that was the case. I, it may never be the case again, but it w- there was a time. Um, Jeff, did you know the the premise of Freaky before you watched it? Because this I was one where not. I was like, I was like, Jeff is going to be so delighted by this premise because he's going to be unsullied. I am. Del- I assume both of you know the premise. Sure. I, I yeah. know the premise, and we're going to give yeah. away the premise. So go ahead. You can give away the I premise. I did Jeff. not know the premise. 
Love the premise. Yes. Um, it's a delightful this, premise. This movie, I mean, and, and and if you don't want to know the premise, I think that's, it was really a fun discovery of the premise for me. Yes. Because it happens like 20 minutes to a half an hour into the movie before you sort of get it. And uh, I was gl- super glad I didn't know because it's a really fun discovery moment. Um, this movie clearly seems to me to have wanted to be an actual Friday the 13th movie, mm-hmm. right? Because it it wanted to be Freaky Friday the 13th, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the film takes place on a Friday the 13th um, and they go to great pains, excuse me, go to great pains to... Uh, show Vince Vaughn as a Jason Voorhees-like character. And I think this movie would have been immensely improved if they'd actually been able to use that IP. It would have been so much fun if they had mm-hmm. actually been able to have this crazy, disfigured Jason Voorhees character as the Vince Vaughn character instead of Vince Vaughn. I think Vince Vaughn is great. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I had so much fun with it. It's a comedy, straight up. It's a comedy. Um, it's when I was a kid growing up with the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one is a horror movie, but mm-hmm. after that, they're comedies. You know, it is. There are straight up gory comedies. You are delighting in the inventive ways in which Freddy Krueger dispatches the teens. Right. Um, yeah. He, he that, becomes a real ham after that. Yes, after the first absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of I think horror aficionados uh, take issue with that and did not care for that turn. I, as a young person, loved it and still love that. Like that's I don't I have no interest really. I don't think unless they're really well done. But I have basically no interest in a slasher movie that isn't fun and funny. You know, like I don't. I'm not really interested in scare me with a machete wielding madman but entertain me make me laugh make have gruesome kills that are fun twists on the the situation that they're in i'm into it and this movie every kill in this movie i think every single one is ridiculous over the top and it's 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 looney tunes it's super looney tunes right uh and i love it oh my gosh i mean the first like the first 10 minutes of this movie, they do the, you know, the typical horror movie, like start with a crazy death, death sequence and all of the kills. I mean, there's setups and payoffs that I don't want to give away that are wonderful. Like it's, it's, it establishes its tone before you even get to the premise, which of course is freaky Friday, the 13th. And I, I mean, it's a blast. It's a blast seeing Vince Vaughn play a teenage girl he is great. Um, and this is this is an amazing, just a purely brilliant idea, conceptually. I, I mean, I love that it probably the idea probably came from the pun, which I love, uh, and the fact that they you know it's executed with really a lot of a lot of fun flourishes, a lot of really great uh, jokes. You know, it's just, it's a comedy, and you know the idea of everybody knows there's this slasher on the loose. The slasher is now our hero. Like the, what appears to be the slasher is our hero. And we have to root for the slasher who we know is the girl inside, right? And root against the young, blonde, innocent girl who is the slasher inside, right? It's just a blast. And I I felt I was thoroughly entertained. Uh, I, I think anybody who watches this with 
you know, any kind of modicum of enjoy enjoyment from, you know, gory, goofy movies will have a blast. I really liked Freaky. I'm really glad you enjoyed it, Jeff. And I'm bummed I didn't watch it this week. I, I, I yeah, chose the, the really movie. Selling it. Well, I chose the movie because uh, I was busy watching your freaking movie, Devendra. Okay, <laughs> um, but I, but now I mean, also the fact that it was twenty dollars to rent it, I'm just like, yes, it was, yes, it, um, it was mainly that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm emboldened by the Patreon, fellas. We are now wow. getting some money, and so I'm like, yeah, I'll pay twenty dollars to see some movies. Yeah, you, you, you got about, some freaky rental money to throw around. I got freaky you know? rental money now. Got thank freaky you, rental thank money. you, patrons. Yeah, that's, I I'm mean, like, it's, you know, my my what be we've been watching contributions are going way up thanks to the patrons it's so true it's so true and i mean i think okay here's the flip side is that i know i'm probably going to be compelled to buy freaky later and then am i going to rent it now and then buy it later you know what i'm saying like it's just like then i'm I'm wasting then i'm wasting patron money you see so so that's what i'm trying to avoid right um because i I know i'm going to buy this movie later right so it's just like "Eh, let's just wait and then buy it later that said um i'm glad you had a great time with it maybe i will try to rent it uh i don't know i don't know if i can do it but anyway uh glad you enjoyed it the movie's freaky you can rent it right now on video on demand for twenty dollars speaking of movies i I I just will say i want to reiterate one more time as fun as vince vaughn is i hope you watch this movie and think to yourself what all these scenes would be like if it was a disfigured giant like Jason Voorhees. Like, <laughs> they, they cast or Vince, Vince Vaughn, Vaughn as Jason Voorhees. Yeah, like, with on, the makeup and everything. I mean, yeah. the movie riffs on, it riffs, it does like a Michael Myers riff and I Know What You Did Last Summer riff. Like, it does it does all the movies. But if it had, if it had literally been mm-hmm. Jason Voorhees, a Friday the 13th, like, weird kind of side spinoff movie, if it had been the Deadpool of Friday the 13th movies... Oh, I think it would have been infinitely that, improved. That sounds amazing. That does sound amazing. I do wonder, like, these movies are typically made on, like, a shoestring budget, right? So yeah. I wonder if, like, if they could even have done that. But I like right. that idea. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's Freaky. It's on Video On Demand. Uh, speaking of movies, you got to pay $20 to rent right now. Jeff, you also had a chance to watch Wild Mountain Time, T-H-Y-M-E, the new John Patrick Shanley film. Uh, I love John, John Patrick, Patrick Shanley. Shanley. Of, of course, the... Writer director of Doubt, right? He did that one. Yeah, hmm. he's a playwright. Yeah. He did playwright, Moonstruck, yeah. Joe versus the Volcano. Uh, I mean, many, many wonderful plays. Um, and Doubt, yeah. I've, I've so, heard this is a weird one, Jeff. I've heard it's it a is, weird one. It is. It, it it it's based on his Broadway play, which I never saw. Um, but I I am I am a huge fan of him. I, I I mean, several. I think Doubt is in my probably top movies of all time. Uh, and I absolutely adore Joe versus the volcano. Uh, you know, I, I just think the way his mind worked, the way he, the way he uses magic to tell conventional stories is I love it. Um, and I also want to mention, I follow him on Twitter, which I highly recommend to everyone because the dude posts videos that are almost always absolute nonsense. And I love it. It's just like this weird look into his mind. It'll be a video of him like just super close up holding his camera, like sitting on the balcony of his Manhattan apartment going, I had a dream last night and I was giving birth to my own dog. It's like that kind of shit. It's, it, it makes, and he's like, all right, have a great day. And that's like, that's it. That's the whole, that's the whole video. You know, it is a delightful addition to my life. Whenever I see a new John Patrick Shanley video pop up in my feed, I press play 
And I highly recommend uh, everybody uh, follow him. He's great. Anyway, so I was down, right? New John Patrick Shanley movie based on his play, directed by him, I'm in. Also, great cast, Emily Blunt. Um, uh, it's, it, you know, it's got Christopher Walken, for Christ's sake. Uh, uh, Christopher Walken doing an Irish accent is what I heard. Is that right? Everybody doing an Irish accent. The only person not doing an Irish accent in this movie is John Hamm, who is also great in it. Um, or great that he's in it. I love John Hamm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's set in Ireland. It is the voiceover at the beginning. The first lines of the movie is Christopher Walken going, Oh, I'm, I'm Irish. You know, that kind of like, you know, he's, he's wow. Welcome to yeah. Ireland. You know, that it's, it's I need more of this. I need incredible. more of this. Yeah. Please keep yeah. going, Jeff. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm dead Ireland. Wow. Uh, so he's, uh, <laughs> um (laughs) so anyway so you know i signed up for that i was like two minutes in i'm like well this is gonna be great uh it is are you serious it sounds terrible (laughs) yeah oh no it's it's not great it's not great i said but two minutes in i was i was thinking it was great but it's not i made a huge mistake yeah (laughs) yeah it's um man it has moments of loveliness and beauty but overall, I think it's really an uneven movie and, and one I can't recommend, certainly not for 20 bucks, um, it, which is Would a you shame. recommend Be- Freaky for 20 bucks? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, okay. I, yeah. I, I do not regret one second that the purchase. It was so much fun. I, I enjoyed that. I, I mean, if you think of 20 bucks as like going, you know, I would recommend somebody would go to the movie theaters if we lived in that world, right? Right, right. And that's, right. that's you know, especially if you've got multiple people in your household, right. 20 bucks right. is a bargain, right? Because yep. you'd spend yeah. more than that to go see a movie. Totally, um, totally. Anyway, so but but th- in this sense, I probably wouldn't recommend people go to the movie theaters to see Wild Mountain Time if it was available in movie theaters. I, it, it's not a movie I'd recommend. Bottom line, and and like I said, there are moments it's lovely, but it is it's a very bizarre romantic story. And I watched it with my wife; she was excited. She loves rom coms, um, and but multiple times through the movie, she's like, "Wow, this is this this, this it's like short." <laughs> Shortcutting, like people would, yeah, yeah, people would just like all of a sudden feel a certain way, not justified at all, or things would happen to be like, whoa, what? Uh, Yeah, it's not, it's not great. It's it, like I said, there are some lovely dialogue moments that feel really um, beautiful and poetic, which I think he always has in his scripts, but for the most part a pretty forgettable movie and um, one I can't recommend. So Wild Mountain Time was a big disappointment. I was very much looking forward to it. Sorry I would highly that. recommend just watching John Patrick Shanley's Twitter videos. <laughs> <laughs> they're free. They're shorter. You don't yeah. need to pay $20 to rent them, but yeah. they don't have Christopher Walken doing an Irish accent. No. So. <laughs> okay. Jeff, what else are you watching? Oh, I also checked out the new Animaniacs reboot. Um, and I've heard this I, is also weird. Yeah, I'm looking forward like to it. Animaniacs is weird, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I basically have heard that it's like it's not clear who it's for because it's not like it's attracting like the next younger oh, generation. It is for me. It yeah. is for us. <laughs> is it is are, all of these reboots? Reboots are for the people who grew up watching these. Shows. Exactly. My, I, would I, I I will tell you exactly what happened. I turned it on to watch with my four year old because he likes oh, cartoons. Oh boy! And I was yeah. like, let's watch some Animaniacs. <laughs> Not interested. Not in. It, it, we watched about two minutes of it. He was not interested. I'm like, oh, 
maybe because literally the first episode is like a six minute long <laughs> song about the 90s. Like everything yeah. that's happened since they went off the air, they summarize in a wonderful patter song, which I ate up like catnip. You know, that I am great. all about it's like they literally like go through all the things. And at the end, they, they go, <laughs> they go. Uh, you know, all the things that have happened since 1998 when they went off the air and da, 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 da. and then and then we uh, elected Trump. And then they're like, wait, is he is he still president? Like, we don't know. We wrote this in 2018. It takes two years to have these things come out. And they're like, <laughs> "Ooh, well, then maybe we should predict some of the news that's going to happen in the meantime. <laughs> OK. And then they do like a, a musical prediction of the news. Dude, my four year old could not care less. Right. <laughs> But it is it, it's I mean, uh, zany and wild. I mean, the mo- it's a first episode starts with like a Spielberg animated Spielberg in a Jurassic Park, like <laughs> it, it, nothing that kids care about. But it, oh, it's um, it, that, it's that great. Kind of if the you like the show, Animaniacs. by the way. Like, remember yeah. Animaniacs would just go on endless Spielberg riffs or like Amblin riffs or like yeah. this is an extended Warner Brothers joke. And there's so much. I go back and watch those episodes now, and I get like 80% of the things, you know, that I just didn't understand in a single episode before. So it is kind of, it was always a show that was kind of like that, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And that's what was so fun about it is it, it is, it, it, but it's probably doing, meta Sp- it's layer. probably doing Spielberg riffs, riffs from like movies from back then though. Right. Yeah, I don't sure. think they're doing like bridge of spies and ready player one riffs. Right. <laughs> right. No. Yeah, of course. It's, I would like the same Ryan riff bridge riff of was, spies. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, yes. And it's, clearly not made it's rebooted not to be as davinja said not to be capturing new audiences but to feed mm-hmm. the people who loved it back then and i'm one of those people and so i'm i'm digging it it's also nice to see really well done 2d animation which is yeah, rarer right. and rarer you know yeah, yeah so the animaniacs reboot you watched it on hulu i believe right is that where it correct. is correct i believe yeah. so yeah all right that's what jeff canada has been watching this week i'll run through a couple quick things i've been watching i had a chance to see the movie ava you guys heard about this movie, Ava? Yeah, it's an action yeah, movie, yeah. right? I, I do feel this like I, the, I watched the trailer for this movie. I was like, this movie was made for David Chen. Gen, really, Gina Davis? Just, Isn't it Gina yeah, Davis? Gina yeah. Davis is in it. Okay, so the cast is incredible. You got Jessica Chastain, John Malkovich, Gina Davis, mm-hmm. and Common are in the film. Sure. Uh, and it was directed by Tate Taylor, a re- very, very talented individual. Uh, he directed movies like, uh, or he's, he's an actor. But he's also directed movies like uh, uh, The Girl on the Train, The Help, uh, Get On Up. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, anyway, like a, a pretty solid pedigree behind this mm-hmm. behind this film. film well, Ava, he did which, that by movie the way, Ma a couple of years ago, which yeah, a Ma. lot of people left. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Ma, yeah, he did the Ma. He, he did Ma. So, the Ma. <laughs> the Ma. <laughs> just, and now he Ma. added another letter to the title. <laughs> it's got Ava. Yeah. A- Ava, Ava is uh, on Netflix right now. And uh, the the poster is Jessica Chastain kind of, she's got a little scratch on her cheek and she's she's uh, dressed to the nines. And she has a gun. Yeah. And I'm like, that, okay. That's this, all you need. That, that is that's all, all yeah, you need. That's all, really. that's all Dave Chad needs For to watch this play. movie. Yeah. So I watched this movie while I was doing one of my workouts, right? I, I've, I have figured out a way to put my iPad in such a way that I can kind of see the workout and then also watch a movie in the background. So I'm like getting more stuff done, as you guys sure. know. Describe and, this workout for us, Dave. Like, what is what is happening here? 
Is this it a is cycle? A, is this a running? Like a it, no, it's it's only using body weight. Um, mm. Actually, uh, it's called I, sitting on the couch. <laughs> I'm not going to. Are you guys familiar with Kegel exercises? No. Um, yes. It's, yeah. um, oh, it's it's uh, it's actually. I'm not joking. Um, I uh, I use workouts on the Pop Sugar YouTube channel, mm-hmm. uh, which That's is shame. primarily primarily attended, intended for women. Um, but I find that I can do the workouts without injuring myself. I really wonder why you're not live streaming this too, Dave. Like, <laughs> I, I really want to see this one day. Jeff, are you okay? You okay there, Jeff? <laughs> clench, unclench. Clench, unclench. <laughs> That's the best <laughs> sentence. <laughs> uh, intended for women, but I find I can do the workouts. Without injuring myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, you know, and they, they, Whatever they, occasion, yeah. they occasionally talk to the audience as though they might be a dude. Um, yeah, no. But most, of, most of the time I mean, they don't. I ain't going to harsher mellow. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's, uh, that's cool. Anyway, we need to do an after dark about our entertainment focused exercise because I, I also just ordered a machine. I'm trying to figure out how. Uh, yeah. How am I going to stay entertained while I also try to do this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the, the Pop Sugar YouTube channel and also mm-hmm. Jeanette Jenkins. She's awesome. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, it's it's mostly using body weight, right? So you don't need to you don't need to have any machinery or, oh, nice. or any weights. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, going back to the topic of Ava. Uh, here's my question for you guys, okay? Is when you're watching an assassin movie, mm-hmm. right? Mm. What what makes for a good assassin movie, right? L- uh, let me throw something out there. I'll throw something out there. Um, sure. uh, really good martial arts scenes, you know, like yes. we have with a John yes. Wick, yeah. right? That's super cool, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, w- what else do you think might be a good draw for for like an assassin movie? Good right? set pieces, you know? Good set pieces, uh, good, yeah, great. Good spy great. shit. Give me good spy, spy, yes. spy process. Oh my yes. gosh, so much, So much yes. process. Give me the um, process, yeah. Um, okay, literally none of the stuff I mentioned, uh, we just talked about, is in the movie, Ava. Okay, Instead. Right. Instead, it has Gina Davis. <laughs> instead, it's about Ava the assassin going back to her hometown and dealing with the family drama from all the people that she left behind when she went to become an assassin. This is like a gross point blank situation? Yeah. I, I guess, but basically instead of uh what's this John Cusack, it's common acting. You know? Mm, okay. So uh pretty harsh trade-off there. Um, I like the common. I, I, I do like, like the, the common, common in, in action movies, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh common in action movies is fantastic. So you're saying right. this is, but is an action movie? This is an assassin assassin drama. drama. I'm going to yeah. say it's two movies mashed together haphazardly, which is <laughs> one is one half is kind of a action spy thriller. The action is competent, right? It's not I would not say it's bad, sure. but we are now spoiled, right, in an era of John Wick, right? Like yeah, I expect yeah, yeah. the action to be breathtaking, for excellent, sure, unbelievable, sure. or even come close to it. Even the movie Anna, the Luc Besson, right? That new yeah. Luc Besson 2019, there's like one or two action scenes in that movie. That, that movie is ridiculous and not very good, but there's a couple action scenes in that movie that I'm like, I would watch that action sure. scene again. Right? I think of like watchable but not great spy movies like Salt. You know, Angelina yes. Jolie's oh, Salt. So Good many stuff. amazing stuff. Good shit. Love it, mm. love it, love it. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, Ava does not rise to the level of any of those films because not salty enough. it doesn't, no. it doesn't, not salty enough. It doesn't do any of the things it's that salt. we just said uh, particularly well. Like the, the family drama feels like 
whenever the family drama was happening, I was like, whoa, like what about all these people trying to kill her? You know? And then whenever, (laughs) and whenever it's in the assassin part, it's like, well, this is okay. It's not bad, but it's just not enough to elevate it to the point where I'm like, you got to go see this thing. Right. Hmm. So, uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that, uh, all these great elements didn't come together to make something more than the sum of their parts. Um, I would just say that, uh, if you want to watch, Jessica Chastain confronting challenging decisions and dealing with kind of international espionage. Uh, Gotta recommend Zero Dark Thirty, which I actually rewatched recently. And there are, I don't like the politics of that film, but I really like the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say yeah. watch Zero Dark Thirty instead of Ava and uh, leave the family drama to another movie. So that's Ava. It's streaming right now on Netflix. Time to tell you about our sponsor, Native. Let me hip you to a great stocking stuffer idea that you might not think of right away, but this will delight any member of your family. It certainly delighted my wife. She keeps stealing my Native deodorant right from me. She just loves how it smells so much that she keeps wanting to use it. So I have to order an additional Native for me. Why not give it as a gift so your loved one won't steal yours? It's the perfect addition to your daily routine this holiday season. Native deodorants don't just block odor better. They're made better. They have ingredients that you've heard of like coconut oil and shea butter. It's also vegan and it's never tested on animals. Plus, they smell fantastic. They have a new seasonal scent called candy cane, which, yeah, I was a little skeptical myself, but the candy cane smells delightful. And they have the candy cane gift set that also makes for a great gift option. All the Native products are great stocking stuffers for everyone on your list. Native is risk-free to try. Every product comes with free shipping within the United States, plus free 30-day returns and exchanges. There's no risk whatsoever. You'll be able to see why so many people love Native. They have over 14,000 five-star reviews. It's pretty great. So, shop Native's holiday collection today by going to nativedo.com slash filmcast or use promo code filmcast at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedo, the first three letters of deodorant, nativedo.com slash the word filmcast, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, or use promo code filmcast at checkout for 20% off your first order. Before we move on, I also want to mention real quick, uh, I had a chance to see Nomadland, the Chloe Zhao movie that uh, they just announced it's going to be out in uh, February. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait to see I was, this. It's been at I was able Lincoln to see Center for a while. Yeah, I was able to see a screener for it. Uh, I'm just going to say solid movie. Um, I did not like it as much as the writer. Um, y- you guys know florida project right you guys remember that florida yeah, project yeah uh, sure the the movie nomadland kind of reminds me of florida project and these are both movies i like i don't think they're bad movies but i think there's something about these movies where they observe their subjects at a very clinical remove mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what i mean by the florida project like you don't really get a sense of the protagonist's inner life in my opinion mm-hmm. it's very much like you're observing them like through glass almost you're, it's just like hey we're going to give you a bunch of snippets of this person's life and then like it, like we're observing this person from it's not a subjective point of view like you would get with let's say the movie that comes to mind most easily is Darren Aronofsky's mother right like where like every shot in that movie is like a subjective point of view you're like in that person's perspective or you're looking at her mm-hmm. face um 
And I feel I, like I Nomadland... It's like the difference between like Florida Project and American Honey, both of which tackle like yeah, very similar great, subject matter. Great comparison. American Honey. Great yeah, it's very like yeah. centered on the subject. Yeah. I would say I would say American Honey very much takes the subjective mm-hmm. point of view. I would mm-hmm. say you, you're really in that woman's experience. And uh, but this this movie Nomadland feels a lot more like Florida Project. In the, again, a movie I really liked. Uh, but just like you're kind of at this detached remove from right. the protagonist who's played by Francis McDormand. Uh, it does a great job. Uh, so I'll just say that uh, I, I like the movie. I did not like it quite as much as The Rider, which is I think is an extraordinary film. I'm pretty sure there's my top 10 of that, of that year that it, that movie came out. Um, but it is showing the, the movie Nomadland does show us the side of America uh, that we typically don't see. Uh, and that is, you know, the life of nomads who, who mm-hmm. wander the country and never stay in one place uh, for more than, you know, a few months. And it's fascinating. And it's kind of this, it's, it's, in many ways, a celebration of the beauty of America and also the yeah. horrors that America has wrought upon people. So that, I'm really excited to see this mainly because of how Chloe Zhao uh, handled the writer, you know, which yeah. is also another slice of so America Jeff, that we never watch see. The writer, man. You got to watch yeah, the writer. I, I, yeah, I gotta, get to take yeah, the ride. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, so Nomadland will be out in theaters in February. We'll talk more about it then probably. But uh, that's what I've been watching this week. Devendra Hardwar, what have you been watching? Oh, a couple of things. Um, I saw this movie called Martin Eden, which uh, showed up on a lot of critics' top 10 lists. I believe uh, A.O. Scott at the New York Times and a bunch of folks are just like all over this movie. And I was intrigued by it mainly because they keep showing like one image from the poster. And uh, I think it's just a screenshot from the film too. Um of just a very, very handsome man. Yeah. I look at his face and I'm like, this guy, <laughs> this guy's got a story to tell. I, I'm really interested in his story. So I he's, he's out played this by movie. Luca Martinelli. Yeah. Uh, who Marinelli. you might have seen from the old guard. He was one of the uh, old guard folks. Yeah. Um, and he is a very, very attractive man. Very, very so handsome. So handsome. This guy is basically a young De Niro is a comparison I keep seeing. And mm. he's just giving me that vibe. This is a movie about a man who um, is, he he's an uneducated, uneducated guy. He just, you know, does odd jobs. He's a sailor. He does all sorts of things, but he has this need to, to better himself. You know, he's trying to read, he's trying to teach himself. He didn't have the gift of an education. So he is just desiring a better life. Uh, it is based on the Jack London novel which I believe is set in America. So this is also really interesting because it's an Italian take on a very American story. You know, yeah, the, it, yeah. it is very much about pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, but also I think about the, the fallacy of that and the dangers of that too. Uh, I love this movie. I, I think this movie is fantastic. I think once in a while, especially, you know, a couple of times a year, I really just like having a beautiful European drama, you know, a movie to transport me somewhere else in a country that I'm not near to see, you know, customs and food and people that I I have no attachment to right now. So this one is very much about Italy um, in a very like, I I don't even know what time period it's covering because this movie does this weird thing where it brings in stock footage from different time periods. And you can't really tell by the way people are dressed. It's hard to tell sometimes by the cars or the tech. I don't know. It it is some indistinct time. Um, I guess as I think there are more and more movies these days that yeah, are doing this yeah. kind of thing where they take place at a time that's not defined, mm-hmm. uh, which I appreciate. I think it makes them more timeless. I don't remember the one that comes to mind immediately is It Follows. Right. Uh, right. I, I don't know why. Like, but there's other weird clamshell thing. Yeah. Like weird clamshell thing. It's like, but there's <laughs> there's other movies that fit into this category where it's not clear when it takes yeah. place. 
And, because uh, otherwise, yeah. it follows was like an '80s movie, right? Like, uh, despite right. the clamshell thing, it was an '80s <laughs> movie. Um, but yeah, anyway, Martin Eden. I think this movie, directed by Pietro Marcello, this movie is gorgeous. I think it is a sweeping drama. It kind of goes everywhere. Like this movie, this movie has a sword fight out of nowhere, kind of for no reason. I'm not going to spoil much more about it, but it is just like it's just such a cool dramatic epic. And I think um, this guy too, like the lead character. Martin Eden himself is just such a charismatic character. Like you just really want to follow his journey and his, like you want him to succeed. This is a guy who is being looked down on, you know, by the high class. He thinks he's very smart. And once he puts his mind to it, he starts to be able to accomplish certain things. I think there, there is, I'm not going to spoil this movie, but I think like this movie also is saying a very specific thing towards the end. Uh, There's a lot of, this movie really pits socialism versus individualism and, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this guy takes the right lesson from it, but yeah. that is what's so, more compelling about it to me. Second movie in two weeks we've watched that kind of has a strong, strong thoughts about socialism, mm-hmm. um, Mank being the previous one, uh, yep. or communism, you know. But uh, I, I watch Martin Eden because Devendra, a few times a year, Devendra gets really, really intense about a movie. And this is one of those times... I will say I did not like it as much as you okay. did, um, but I, I, you know, on occasion when when I do this and I watch this movie, basically for you, I watched it for you. <laughs> I, I use it as an opportunity to learn about you. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I use the opportunity because when people are really into something, like you watch it, you you learn about that person, what they value, and uh, it sounds like the thing that you valued is this idea of overcoming your station in life, which is what this mm-hmm. guy tries to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This guy has no education; he's got nothing. And he's trying to impress rich people, smart people. You um, want him to succeed. Like this is one of those movies where you're just really rooting for this guy. And you know, he I to me, he ends up disappointing me, but I think that is that is a story and it is all about like the it's about the dangers of a certain type of mindset, you know. And mm. there's I want to do like a big spoiler talk about this movie, but it is it is fantastic. I think it is worth the journey. Uh, yeah. So I'll just say one thing I did, like, I, I agree with you that it is like one of those epics. It's like a historical epic basically. Mm-hmm. And it spans like a long period of time. And as I was, as I'm watching it, I'm like, wow, this movie is ambitious, you know, because yeah. the, you know, a significant part of the movie deals with his love for this woman who is much richer than him, like from a much nicer family than him. And it spans like all these years of him trying to like win her love. And it's just, he just wants it, to write. He wants to write good. He, he wants to, yeah, he wants to write good. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm watching it and thinking to myself, wow, it's, it's rare that I'll see a movie this ambitious with this kind of scope. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciated that. Uh, there's a few things I didn't like about the movie, but if I could sum it up in one thing, it would be that the movie does many time jumps. There's numerous oh, moments man. where there's Those like a time, big time jump. They are so jarring. Yeah. There's a time jump and there's like one time jump where it's like, wow, it really felt like you yada, yada, yada over some of the most interesting stuff that happened here. And I understand why the movie did it that way, but it just feel like, man, like it's it, sometimes as we've discussed on this podcast, the most interesting stuff happens in the, in between the big moments. Yeah. Right. It reminds and, me a bit of cold war like that. Like it is a single story mm, that jumps time quite a bit. And uh, yeah, there, there are a lot of similarities to that actually. Great comparison. I, you know, I freaking love cold war. Cold war is like one of my favorite movies of that, yeah. of that year. Um, but uh, Martin Eden, uh, not as much. I'm glad you liked it though. And I, I cherish the occasional opportunity to learn about you. I will also say this to Vindra. And Jeff, this is a little bit relevant to our earlier chat, which is 
the way that you can watch Martin Eden is through a program called Kino Marquee. If you Google Kino Marquee, and basically what Kino Marquee has done is they have partnered with art house cinemas all around the country. Love it, yeah. To And so what you do, and it's actually a, a pretty great, like you got to jump through a couple hoops, but once you do it, I paid $13 for Martin Eden and a significant portion of that went to my local uh, art house theater. Uh, the yeah, Seattle it like International half of it goes to your theater, yeah. Right, so so first of all, I'm like, okay, number one, reasonable price for this rental, mm-hmm. $13. Number two, I'm actually doing a good deed by doing by renting it. Like I'm actually like siphoning money off to my local movie theater, which I want to survive after this. Um, so I have to say, even though I didn't love the movie, it felt great to rent yes. it via Kino Marquee. I, I and got that feeling a, of going to like my local, like it was, I rented it from BAM, uh, the Brooklyn Academy of Music. So even though I'm down here in Georgia, I could still support my favorite indie theater, you know? Yeah, so it felt it felt great, and uh, I couldn't rent, you know, Freaky for twenty dollars, but I felt awesome renting Martin mm-hmm. Eden for thirteen dollars, yep. and supporting a local theater. And you should check it. You should check out that program, Kino Marquee. Uh, you Google it, and you can find all kinds of local art house movies that you can watch at home. And there's a Apple TV app. That was my other big. It's concern. so like, easy. Do I, yeah, yeah. Am yeah. I gonna like watch this on my computer? But nope. You get to you can put it on your Apple TV, and you can watch it on your Apple TV. Um, it was great. You get a, so, you get a good HD stream. Cause I've tried a couple of these and there are other things like when I rented movies from film at Lincoln center during uh, the New York film festival, that was basically you airplayed the browser window to your, mm. to your Apple TV and prayed and hope the connection stayed, you know, strong. And it really didn't. So this the is quality pretty was, I would stable. say the quality was, um, was good and not great. Uh, the, uh, the, I think this movie was shot on film. It looks like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was kind of like blotchy in places. Um, but overall, it was a great experience. Uh, so uh, Martin Eden is a film. Devendra loved it. I thought it was all right. Uh, but it is definitely one of the most ambitious films of the year. It's a You know, I, I read Bilga Ibiri's review over at Vulture. Review. He said it's one yeah, of the best yeah. movies of the year. Yeah. Then I read Richard Brody's review <laughs> at New Yorker, and he really laid into it. Uh, he really, Richard way. Brody has really has a way to just throw water, throw cold water on... You're excited yeah. for certain Sad, Sadly, I, I, I'm more aligned with Richard Brody's opinion sure, in this sure. case. But but I'm glad you liked it. And the movie's Martin Eden, and hopefully people can check it out. Um, all right, Devendra, what else have you been watching? Just a quick mention. Uh, I've seen the next Small Axe movies, and this is the Steve McQueen series. It's uh, premiering weekly on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, I saw the latest movie. It's called Red, White, and Blue. Stars John Boyega as a... Young man who wants to become a cop in the uh, the London Metropolitan Police uh, because he thinks he could get in there, he could change things, right? Like these cops, they spend a lot of their time um, harassing black people, harassing immigrants, and just generally making their lives hell. And actually early on in the movie, his father is just basically um, beaten up by the cops for no apparent reason. So he thinks he can go into the cops and kind of change things. Um it is a really interesting story about that push and the difficulty of doing something like that, the difficulty of trying to be the single person to stop systemic racism and systemic change and how that alienates you both from, you know, the institution you're trying to fix because people probably aren't interested in that. And also the people that you love or the people within, you know, your circle who may feel like you're betraying them by going to the cops. So it's a lovely movie. It's a very, complex film um i i still think um 
I prefer the other two small axe films, um, Lover's Rock and uh, the the other one about the trial, whose name I'm forgetting right now. Um, but they were both like fantastic. And I think this is just a really interesting reflection of West Indian culture in Britain in the 70s and 80s. It is well worth watching. And also you get you get John Boyega just really, really giving you a great meaty dramatic role. And watching this, I'm reminded of like, man, those Star Wars movies did him no favors, you know, like especially yeah. especially Rise of the Skywalker. Uh, I love him in Force Awakens. And yeah, Last Jedi, I think even though he's kind of sidelined, he does a lot with what he's given. Um, this guy is a titan. Like, I, I think he is capable of so much more. I think he has a huge, huge career ahead of him. So if you want to see, like, a great jo- uh, John Boyega starring vehicle, check this out. It is a moving, um, lovely film. It will make you angry, but I think it's supposed to because these things don't just get fixed by one person joining the force, you know? The movie is Small Axe, Red, White, and Blue. It's streaming right now on Prime Video. And Divindra, you want to give us a quick Cyberpunk shout-out? I've had a chance sure. to play this as well. Sure, Cyberpunk shout-out, because, guys, we have waited how long <laughs> for this game? This game was announced in 2013. You know, we only got, like, bits, little bits and teasers of info about this, because it's CD Projekt Red, who was mainly known for the Witcher series, going to a first-person shooter, going Cyberpunk. Jeff, I'm sure you've got a lot of feelings about this, but uh, yes. uh, I'll say up front, like, I... I think this game has a lot of issues and I can definitely like if I was playing this on console, I would be pissed because it looks like it runs like crap. It looks like they released a game that shouldn't shouldn't have even been released on older consoles. Let's take a step back. Let's take a step back for a second. Okay, so Cyberpunk 2077 is a is a video game that just came out this last week. Uh, I tried to compare it to a movie, Jeff. Is it like the Avengers Endgame of video games, like in terms of its magnitude, mm. I think that's probably fair, right? Like something around those lines. Like close I, to that? I don't know if I mean I, don't, I think that might might undersell it. I, I don't think it's <laughs> yeah. it's not the culmination of a, a thing. It, it's no. like it's um, a holy grail. It's something we've been like yeah. praying for. You know, it's like if if um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a filmmaker that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. had an amazing movie that everyone loved, and then this was their follow up to that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody was chomping at the I bit. See, they were going to try a new. This is, different- oh, oh, here, this is the Dark Knight Rises to mm-hmm. the Witcher 3's Dark Knight. How about that? Sure. Is that sure? Well, maybe, except that it would be more like it, it would be more like if, um, you know, if Christopher Nolan made the Dark Knight and then made and then made a movie that was in a completely different genre. Mm, right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so maybe I, it's I think- his inception to his Batman Perhaps. Begins. But anyway, point being, point being, this is a massive game, many, many millions of copies. It's uh, a game that was announced eight years ago. It just came out this week. It's a huge deal in the gaming space. The other thing that I've learned, David, is that you're not allowed to compare video games to movies. Oh, I I think I heard that that when someone I know got raked over the coals for it a while ago (laughs) in rather humiliating and brutal fashion online. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, anyway, Devendra, your overall impressions on Cyberpunk 2077? Oh, I am. This is one of those games. You know, I feel like I, I sometimes come across a game that I can finally like dive into and give myself over to and just explore this world because it's a major it's a big open world. Right. And the way I'm seeing it, I was a big fan of uh, the Deus Ex game, Human Revolution, you know, that came out almost a decade ago at this point. And that game was a fantastic like reboot of the Deus Ex franchise. I'm always into cyberpunk shit. So this feels like that, but taken with the, you know, the huge open world of a Grand Theft Auto type thing. And just amazing, amazing technical feats. You know, I'm running this game. I'm lucky enough 
to be running this game, you know, on my gaming PC with an NVIDIA RTX 3080. So I'm running this among among the best ways possible, and it's looking pretty good for me. But, um, like, uh, yeah, there's so much to say. I'm really digging the narrative. I'm digging Keanu Reeves is in this, and I won't say too much about what he does, but he, he, was, he was revealed last year, and people just ate it up. And he's a major portion of this game. He's not just, like... Kiefer Sutherland in Metal Gear Solid 5 or 4, was it? <laughs> yeah, he where he was there for, they shot his voice for a day. And I think that was it. Um, this is like a big thing. Keanu Reeves is a major character. It's also really funny to see him, a guy who, you know, knowing him from The Matrix and from Johnny Mnemonic. There are so many like references to all those things. It, it seems very fitting. I do think overall it is... Um, I, I don't think it's really pushing the notion of cyberpunk forward. You know, like it, it is still built on the stuff we saw in Blade Runner. You know, the the Blade Runner aesthetic, the dirty city, the city that is, you know, very multicultural, but also very heavily Asian influenced. The city that, uh, you know, you play the the kind of detective character who gets to be cool. It's supposed to be anti-capitalist, but it's not it's not really doing that stuff. And I kind of wish it was, uh, but overall I'm enjoying it as an experience. I can't stop playing it. So like, I think that's a, that's a win for the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I know some people are really liking it as well. And Jeff, I was just listening to your conversation about it on DLC this morning. Um, Thanks. so you can check that out there. Uh, but cyberpunk 27 is a game. Cyberpunk 2077 is the game and it's out right now on nine platforms, although only some of them offer yeah, a good you experience. You can actually play it only on some of them. <laughs> don't, yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't, your platform may vary. Experience may vary. Do, do not put this on an original Xbox One. My God, no. <laughs> do not. All right. That is what we have been watching this week. Hey, it's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Mac Weldon. Gosh darn it. I love Mac Weldon so much. I'm wearing Mac Weldon right now. I'm wearing it right now. It's basically all I wear. From socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, and active shorts, Mack Weldon promises comfort and a consistent fit. This is, dudes, this is the only place you need to shop. Let me tell you all you need to know right now. The Ace Sweatpant. Did you hear what I said? The Ace Sweatpant. It's literally the only pants I wear. I have three different pairs of them. They're all I wear. <laughs> three different colors. They're the most comfortable rugged they're they feel like sweatpants but they look nicer than that so i i in I, i'm telling you in covid lockdown the only thing i have worn is my ace sweatpant i also have uh mac Weldon polos and underpants i mean this is the place they, they don't overwhelm you with options you've got just the essentials the stuff you absolutely need to know they offer a wide range of customized fabrics they have a loyalty program that is totally free. Level one gets you free shipping for life. Once you get to level two, it's by spending 200 bucks, which I am at. Mac Weldon gives you 20% off every order for the next year. It's awesome. Plus, if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep them and they'll still refund you. No questions asked. These are great gifts for the holidays. They got awesome tops. Like I said, I don't ever get out of my ace sweatpant. They're the best. The shorts are awesome too in the summer months. Win the gift giving season and get 20% off your first order by visiting macweldoncom slash filmcast and enter promo code filmcast. That's 20% off your first order. 
at MacWeldon.com, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com slash, and then the word Filmcast, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, and promo code Filmcast. Before we get to our review, folks, let's get to uh, our weekly plugs. Mm-hmm. This is weird. I wanted them to be super excited. Rods, reels, and romance. So good. We were texting each other furiously. I love that you did that. Unsolicited. Let me tell you. I think in a way, it takes a lot to get us to furiously text. So good. Unsolicited. All over the place. So good. So good. Let the internet have its way. Plugs. 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 But we'll cut. We might cut it down. Welcome to Weekly Plugs. This is part of the show where we plug something that we've been part of, or uh, if we haven't been part of something recently, uh, we plug something that uh, we are really looking up to these days. Uh, I have a weekly plug. Uh, I want to plug the interview I did with Anish Chaganti on Culturally Relevant. How did that go? Uh, it went extremely well. You know, what's interesting about the review, the interview is... Um, we uh, didn't have that much time, and so we spent all of like eighty percent of the time covering not the movie run, which is what the purpose mm. of the interview is to promote. Instead, uh-huh. he, I mean, this guy spent probably for the best. This yeah. guy spent yeah. many years working at a large tech company, um, nurturing dreams of being a creative uh, person. No, he, in he worked at Google. His story has been out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but we talked a lot about like his experiences there and um, and the decisions he had to make there and. Uh, basically his origin story and there's a lot of cool stories there so that's super cool. I'd recommend yeah. it and also um, I told him that we had reviewed the film <laughs> and that you guys did not like it uh-huh. uh, and he said he was looking forward to watching it and you know what he said you know what he said uh, which I actually appreciate and support is that he would rather make a film that people feel passionately about yeah than that they just are like that. Eh, eh, it's fine you know for sure for and I, I, I think and you guys definitely whatever your reaction was it was definitely passionate he, he so, definitely took some swings same, yeah. In that same episode, um, we talked about that, like our main. No, what was the other movie we talked about that was like the opposite of that? Was is like, eh, it's not worth. What was? Wow, I, we man. don't even remember. Does not exist. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. another movie where you were like, we were like, because oh no, it was the After Dark. We were gonna do. We were gonna be like, we we're gonna rip on. Uh, this bad movie that oh, New Mutants. That's what New it was. Mutants, that's right. Not Remember? even worth it. Yeah. Not even. Yeah, worth and it was it. like yeah. we did this whole great conversation about Run, and we were passionate about it. And then New Mutants is like this. This was going to be our fun, you know, like it's, yeah. knowing it's a bad movie, but it wasn't even bad enough. It wasn't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was just so yeah. blah that we was. It was a limp biscuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And also on my personal Patreon page over at patreon.com slash Dave Chen, I'm doing a Tenet watch along this Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. So uh, anyone is welcome to join that if you're part of my personal Patreon page. Should be a lot of fun. I have been looking forward to this movie for six months, debating whether this is your cyberpunk. This is your cyberpunk. This is my cyberpunk. And hopefully it is not a crushing disappointment. But Mm. anyway, those are my. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, those are my weekly plugs this week. Jeff, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say that I immediately regretted using the phrase Limp Biscuit. I, I immediately. And like, Im- immediately. Mm. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I don't know why it came uh, out of my mouth. And I immediately... I w- you know, I was going to say something to you after the show, so I'm yeah. glad you brought it up. I really want to unpack this, Jeff. Why, why are you feeling this way? Do yeah. not understand where that came from from my, my mind. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, but, also, uh, do you, are you aware of the origin of the phrase yeah, Limp Biscuit? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can... Put two and two together, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
I, I don't mean, think you. I don't. Based on mm, so, you, so the answer is no. No. In which case, no. But I think I understand the. In which metaphor? case, don't don't. It's actually don't worse than you think. Yeah, it's uh, actually worse. Well, than why that. would I ever? Why would I ever come to that? Why would my mind? Yeah. Did you not sell yourself mouth this phrasing? Way, yeah. Phrasing yeah. also phrasing. Um, yeah. Man. So uh, <laughs> whatever you do, Jeff, don't Google the phrase yeah. limp biscuit. Do not okay? sully yourself on this. Do don't mm-hmm. Google it. Fair enough. Um, Anyway, uh, so yes, let's move past that. That's what I—that's uh, my weekly plugs. Anish Chaganti and culturally relevant. Check it out; it's a great conversation. Devinder Hardwar, uh, your weekly plug this week. Sure, I want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget Podcast, where we talked about the AirPods Max, those crazy, crazy, stupid, expensive headphones from Apple. Um, I, I am tempted to just like get a pair for a couple of weeks and return it immediately, just to hear what they sound like. But I am. This is one of those things you can hear me chat about all this, but there are two sides of Apple. There's the Apple that release that releases like very expensive crap that nobody needs. And then the side that's actually genuinely innovative. I'm also reviewing the new MacBook Pro with the M1 chip right now, which is pretty good. Um, but man, I'm so disappointed by this. And we also talk a bit more about cyberpunk there uh, with Engadget's Jessica Condit, who is our games reporter. So tune in for all of that. So you're saying there's two sides of the apple, the side that releases expensive crap that nobody needs and the side that re- that releases expensive crap that a few people need. Yeah, that you actually need. Are, are you I, guys I can justify gonna get, that. Are you guys going to get the AirPods Max? Like, no, I just, no. Are you no. joking? I cannot justify. Cannot are you justify. mental? The, the idea of spending <laughs> $600 on earphones is $550, Jeff. Just... What just it, to be clear, five hundred fifty. Yeah, oh yeah, okay, it's sorry. Plus tax, plus tax, plus tax. Um, it is, yeah, it is mental just... when the best like noise canceling headphones right now go for like three fifty to four hundred. Yeah. You know the Sony's three, or the three hundred, right? Exactly, and and also um, they come with a case that's actually usable. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, they they can uh, plug into three and a half millimeter audio jacks because they come with the, the freaking cable. <laughs> you don't have to spend another thirty five dollars for the insane. for the USB C to. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I'm done. All right, um, that's uh, Devinger's weekly plug in Gadget Podcast. Check it out. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. It's been a while since I mentioned The Dungeon Run. It's a show I'm extraordinarily proud of and I wish more people would listen to and or watch. You can listen to it as an audio podcast. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch us live. It is my long-form Dungeons & Dragons show. I am the Dungeon Master. I'm coming up with a story. You hear me on this show every week talk about other people's creative narratives and you have a chance for me you know to, to put up or shut up here you you could watch the narrative that i'm constructing and i gotta say a lot of people enjoy it, it, it we have a very passionate community uh one of i think i think one of the best communities on the internet and these the, the folks do there's a there's a live fan created uh talk back series every tuesday we do the show every Wednesday. The fans get together and they do a stream where they break down the show and analyze it. It's all created by the fans. We didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, there's a Discord that's vibrant and fun and full of really positive, wonderful people, all built around this wonderful show about five characters going through this Game of Thrones-esque fantasy story. You don't need to know anything about Dungeons & Dragons to enjoy it. Last week, uh, we had an episode entitled Chicken Fight because they fought an enormous chicken that was crossed with a serpent it was a wild and wacky fight in the middle of a a farm um which you know is not usually the tone of the show but we can have fun too and i a lot of folks in our discord were saying it was one of their favorite episodes ever uh so i urge you to check it out you can find that on youtube by searching for the dungeon run you can listen to it as an audio podcast it works great 
as uh, like an audiobook almost. You can find that wherever you get podcasts by searching for The Dungeon Run or Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific time. We stream live at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. A couple other things before we move on to our review of Sound of Metal. Uh, I have already mentioned that we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash film podcast. Uh, that is a place where you can get ad-free episodes as well as the After Dark. We have been giving out the After Darks for free for the last couple months as a kind of a gesture of goodwill for all the folks who have supported us uh, throughout the years. But beginning in 2021, uh, the after the Patreon at patreon.com slash film podcast will be the only place you can get the After Darks, at least the only place where you can get them in a timely fashion. We might release them kind of way later down the line. Uh, for free at some point but like if you want to get them on a weekly basis on a regular basis that's the place to do so patreon.com slash film podcast uh you can also support this podcast by donating to us we we've gotten a lot fewer donations since the patreon launch which is uh totally cool i think like yes that was the plan yeah Uh, Yeah. that that, that is the plan we're trying to move everyone over to the patreon but every now and then we do get a donation and i'm totally cool with it this one comes in from lorna from london in the United Kingdom, Lorna writes in with her donation. I'm a longtime listener from the UK, and I wanted to make a de- uh, donation as a thank you for entertaining me for nearly a decade. Although this has been a terrible year for both the UK and the US, I've been fortunate enough to stay employed. And the one good thing about lockdown is that I'm saving the ludicrous amount I normally would have to spend on train fares. With that in mind, I've decided to pay forward the savings to causes close to my heart and creators who have kept me sane. I don't get to the cinema as much as I'd like, but love dipping into the back catalog whenever I do get around to seeing a movie years after you review it. For instance, I just got around to watching Colossal from 2016. Loved it, but had the same reservations you guys did. Anyway, I wish you and your families a safe and peaceful Christmas and New Year. That lovely. comes in from Lorna. What a lovely message. Thank and of you. course, if you want to support us, paypal.me slash filmcast. Or if you don't have any cash or it's a hardship to donate, which it might be for a lot of people right now, there's a way you can support us for free. Just go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review on this podcast. It means a lot. It helps us to stand out. Thanks to everyone who's donated. Thanks to all of our patrons. Let's get to our review of Sound of Metal. You sound great. Yeah, right. What? You're telling me you weren't feeling it? You were in it. We don't need to, we don't need to put them all out. I know, but we have to keep going. Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow. Let's see what it's like, okay? I'm gonna be like a click track. You can play to me. You have to understand your first responsibility is to preserve the hearing you have. I can't hear you. Do you understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. That was from the trailer for Sound of Metal, the newest film by director Darius Martyr. Uh, And this movie is streaming right now on Prime Video. Uh, I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. A heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into freefall when he begins to lose his hearing. That's the whole plot. This movie stars Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cooke 
as two of its leads. Uh, I'm also going to point out at this point that uh, I am an employee of Amazon, which is a company that's distributing this, but I do not work for Prime Video, but that is my uh, disclosure. So uh, just something for people to know so that people don't think I'm hiding anything. But let's get into our conversation about Sound of Metal. Davindra, I know you and I are big Riz Ahmed fans. Big Riz Ahmed Here, fans, yeah. Here's, me here's me my too. question. Don't yeah, leave me yeah. out of this one. Sorry, we all are. Who, who is not? Yeah, uh, yeah yes. come on. I mean, when will movie and TV show people stop mistreating Riz Ahmed is my question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because in every remember movie. Remember the night of? Oh, the remember show, the I know night you of? Love. Remember, yeah, uh, such a good show. you know. Uh, Venom, Nightcrawler, uh, even Rogue One. I mean, basically, the guy gets put through the ringer in every single one of his things that he's in. He, he's very uh, and, good at Nightcrawler, though. But yeah, always destroyed. Yes. Like, oh, man, poor guy. It's because uh, the camera loves looking into his tortured eyes. It's so true. So it's good. so true. A, a so friend of mine ran into him at a coffee shop in Williamsburg and um, confronted with his handsomeness. She could just <laughs> not speak. She was mm. literally speechless. You see this guy in real life. So mm. that's Rizamet. That's how much we love Rizamet. All right. So Devinder Hardwar, given that pre-existing love, did you think Sound of Metal made great use of his talents? Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like this this movie captures so much, so much from Rizamet. You know, this is a movie about a guy who um yeah, he's a heavy metal drummer. The movie opens with him and this is just like crazy, crazy song. Everything is super loud. Um, he is probably not doing the safe thing that a lot of musicians do where they wear, you know, the, the ear buds, the or ear seals. Yeah. Protective, the protective uh, stuff. Yeah. He's probably not doing that, but he, in the first 10 minutes of this movie, you could tell like, this is a guy who's very dedicated, very disciplined and trying to like keep his life together. But also he, this movie pre- pre- presents what he is doing. You know, he's basically living this kind of bohemian life with his girlfriend um, slash song partner, you know, slash bandmate. Um, and they're just driving around in this, you know, in a mobile home, just playing gigs. And there's something like beautiful about it. So when the crux of the movie is that he starts to lose his hearing, likely because of this, it could be other things too, but most likely because of this, it is like seeing his world fall apart. And I feel like Reza Med just really captures that the rage of it the the bewilderment of it the just just so many things you can see all the emotions on his face and he is just such a fantastic actor and i'm glad that he finally has a movie that kind of allows him to show his full range and this movie also puts him through the ringer this guy will always be put through the ringer but i I feel like he acquits himself really well to it um I also want to shout out uh, Olivia Cook. I really like her. Always, always good. But Paul Racy, I think, who plays yeah. the, yes. the guy. He plays Joe. He plays, he plays Joe, Joe yeah. the guy who runs the house for deaf people yeah. who are trying to get used to their new life. This guy, this guy is an actual, you know, he 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 is a deaf man who is in a band. Like he he is a song, like he's a, I believe, a guitarist or a singer too. But he, this guy evokes so much in this movie he is such an old sage he is such a great foil to everything resumed is feeling all the rage and all just everything he is this like source of strength and calm and also will not take his bullshit i love him in this movie i I, I just love it i Mm -hmm. thought he had to be that guy like they had to just like have that guy but he's an actor he's an actor he's been in tons of stuff 
Yeah, yep. he's 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 incredible in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, th- um, I thought well, this Joe character is just like was yeah. the inspiration for this movie, and they got yeah, they the actual shot, Joe, like the and, guy yeah. who ran this thing. Yeah, 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 yeah I was yeah. like, it must have been. Must, I mean, th- you can't replicate Joe. Like, it has to be the actual. This <laughs> right. has to be him. And no, it, this is an actor. He's done a bunch of stuff. It's, there, yeah, there's it's a speech he gives in this movie about something he assigns Rosemont to do, which is to go in a room and just sit and write. And it is such a it is such a simple thing he's tasking him to do, but he is conveying all the meaning of why he's tasking him to do it. And Riz Ahmed is reflecting that back at him, too, in, in a really fascinating way. I love this movie, guys. This movie is fantastic. But I also, Jeff, I'm really interested in hearing what you feel about this movie, because I do feel like um, you you probably have some deeper thoughts having yeah, gone through I'm, something similar. I'm, yes. yeah. I'm, cur- I'm curious about this. I also want to call out, by the way, we got a, we got a lovely email from Zach. Uh, and uh, listener Zach, who wrote into slash filmcast at gmail.com, and he said, uh, I just want to call this out at the top of the review, actually. He said, quote, I know you all value multiculturalism and cultural sensitivity, so in that vein, I wanted to share some helpful cultural language and info related to deaf culture for your upcoming discussion of Sound of Metal. Uh, number one, deaf is the preferred term for a person with hearing loss who chooses to be part of the deaf community, I, uh, e.g. uses sign language, associates with other deaf people, adapts deaf cultural norms, etc. Uh, number two, terms like hearing impaired were invented by hearing people in the medical field who view deafness as a medical condition, mm-hmm. implying a brokenness and need to be fixed. And uh, terms like hearing impaired are not appropriate, end quote. So uh, this is something that I was kind of vaguely aware of before I watched yeah, this film yeah, yeah. and then like became much more aware of as I watched the film. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to lay that out for those who might not even have known what I just said. Zach is a um, nationally certified ASL interpreter, uh, but he he is uh, not deaf, um, but he did want us to not step in it during this review. So I appreciate thank you, that. Zach, for that. And yeah. if we, yeah, if oh, we, we can, do, we can step in different stuff. Yeah, uh, we can, we, we can definitely we'll, make meat yeah. of different things. There's uh, a point yeah. where we will deconstruct Limp Bizkit and, uh, poor Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> poor Jeff. But, but, uh, but yes, uh, so Consider Zach, the, for the stuff ma- pre-stepped in. <laughs> you don't want to step in that stuff. Yeah. You really just don't even don't. know what it is. And you're no. going to be so shocked when you find out Jeff. Um, but, uh, yeah, so thanks, Zach. And if, if uh, we do like use terms that are insensitive, like please let us know at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. Like we are still learning, but uh, thanks to Zach for the early tutorial. All that said, Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Sound of Metal? Well, Dave, I guess my thoughts on Sound of Metal are best summed up in the form of a limerick. I'm really excited about this one. <laughs> <laughs> To lose my ability to hear is one of my greatest fears, but the acceptance and heart Ahmed brings to the part makes this one of the best films of the year. Nicely done. Beautiful, elegant, succinct, as all limericks are. (laughs) Um, Really lovely, Jeff. Really lovely. Thank you. Uh, I agree with everything Devinder said. Uh, This is uh, an extraordinary movie. I Divinjo, you kind of, uh, I think you hinted at um, something that is is accurate. I, I want to, this movie hit me in a very personal way for two reasons. Uh, the first is that my grandfather, uh, my very Italian immigrant grandfather, um, came over to this country when he was 14 and he got a job in the steel mill. And that job working in the steel mill obliterated his hearing. Uh, He was deaf by the time I was aware of him as a person. 
uh, as you know, I was old enough to know him. He was, he was basically deaf. Um, talk about the sound of metal, right? Working in a steel mill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the experience of dealing with my grandfather who basically, you know, already had, uh, very little English, uh, you know, as, as an immigrant and he, he would had difficulty, um, assimilating in that way, but then to be further, uh, ostracized, alienated, set apart because he couldn't hear, uh, it, it was hard to watch. He was a sweet, sweet man, quiet, stood in the corner a lot at family gatherings and, you know, didn't obviously didn't have ASL or anything like that. He was just, uh, he just basically didn't get to participate. And all growing up, my father, his son, his namesake, um, used to constantly tell me to protect my hearing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he said, uh, look at, look at grandpa, look at grandpa. You don't want that to happen to you. Be, beware. Be, so I was the kid in high school who would go to the rock concerts with earplugs. I was the kid who was always conscious about, um, you know, not standing next to the speaker at the party. Uh, I, I had a weird um, preoccupation with it because the, the voice of my father constantly in my head and the, and the, the first person experience that I had with, with my grandfather. So this in particular is something, the idea of losing my hearing is something that, that scares me. Uh, and the beginning of this movie played like a horror film to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. we talk about freaky, you know, the, the freaky is the uh, ostensibly the horror movie it was a comedy. And this movie felt like a horror movie to me. Um, it's harrowing. I, I found the is, opening 10, it, 15 minutes harrowing. Yeah. It is ext- an extraordinarily intimate way to be on this journey with this character to, mm-hmm. to see, to it, it really feel like you're experiencing it with him. Um, the sound design is extraordinary. And I happen to be watching this movie, uh, because I tend to watch, you know, films sometimes, uh, in my home with my sleeping children and my wife who's doing other things. I watch with headphones on, I wear, mm-hmm. uh, noise canceling headphones that plug into my Roku remote. And I listen to the movies that way. I don't have to have the sound reverberating through the house. I would highly recommend listening, watching this movie if you can with earphones mm-hmm. because the sound design being not missing all the subtle things that they do with the sound design. Yeah. I found it to be really, really powerful. Um, also, it was great. can I also give another plug? Can I give another separate like sure. presentation plug, which is that yeah. like, I watch 99% of movies these days, TV shows with closed captions on. It just yeah. helps me to, uh, comprehend all the dialogue. I'm definitely going to do this with Tenet, which as far as I understand is very hard to understand without it. <laughs> uh, but I actually switched it off for this because uh, as with uh, many movies that come out on Prime Video and other platforms, uh, the movies close captions. So for uh, deaf and hard of hearing, it is, a, uh, it is presented in a way that they can uh, understand it and understand what the filmmakers are trying to achieve. But um, the 
it, it was basically like describing everything that was happening on screen. So it was saying like muffled sound, this, mm. you know, or yeah. deepened sound. This. And, and I actually turned off the closed captioning because even though the closed captioning like is meant to uh, benefit uh, the deaf and hard mm-hmm. of hearing, it was like it, it, it uh, the, the movie itself was already doing enough to immerse me in that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, that I didn't. It it actually took away from the experience for me to have it with closed captioning is on. There's a lot um, of also so, yeah. the, a lot of the movie that is intentionally disorienting to the viewer. It is intentionally yeah. uh, tr- you, there are long stretches where you aren't intended to understand what's exactly happening. You know where where things are not translated. Uh, ASL is not being translated um, for you. It's just happening around, and I, I found that to be very very powerful. But yeah, I highly recommend the earphone experience if you're able to do that for this movie. But I did also have that moment where I turned it down and my like, Oh my God, are my earphones too loud? Am I listening to stuff too loudly? You know, it's like, am I hurting my hearing? So the other reason that this hit me personally, and I think this is probably what Devendra was referring to is uh, last year, as many listeners to the show know, uh, I had catastrophic eye surgery and I went through an experience that is very similar to what this character goes through in, in sound of metal in that he is faced with this notion of something that is absolutely required for his vocation. Mm-hmm. Nay, he, his he, he exists to do this basically. He exists yeah. to hear, right? He exists to, to create sound and experience sound and be part of it. And, Every part of my life, my income, my interests, my hobbies are about seeing things, <laughs> looking at stuff and talking about what I see. Um, and so faced with the very real possibility that that would be irrevocably damaged or gone uh, was hard hard. And so, you know, this is what you see in this movie, this person going through that. You are with this character through that transition of realization of what it means, right? What it means and the denial and all of those, all of the fighting back against it and the heartbreak and the life change. uh, It it hit me very personally. And uh, I think this movie is exquisite in how it handles all of that and how much hope it finds. And, you know, I hope, I hope that the way I've described hearing loss as being like a horror Mm -hmm. concept or, or or a harrowing experience does not offend anybody that looks at it the way we heard this emailer look at it, which is not as a, not as a flaw, not as something to be repaired. Uh, and I think that, I think the movie comes to that place and is so beautiful about that. And really um, dramatizes that notion uh, and is, is beautiful and ultimately a very hopeful movie. Um, I, you know, the, the, I, I kind of can't believe there's never been a movie about this before, but this movie feels completely unique. I don't know of any other movie that's about this, but it also feels like such an obvious subject to tackle I can't believe it's never happened before, but I, I'm so glad this movie does it. It is not like anything else. Devendra, everything you said about the Joe character is absolutely true. It is the- We, we he, all he, need he, a Joe in our life, oh, really. Yes. To just steer us straight. Yes. 
And, you know, it's that, it's kind of that tough love, uh, honesty first, uh, no coddling. Mm -hmm. um, and, but all of the characters in this movie, there's so much life to this movie, so much a, a tapestry of, of characters and experience. Um, nothing feels pat or uh, obvious. It is all human and real. And it, it, I just, I think the world is movie. I, I really do agree with everybody saying it's one of the best movies of the year. It's going to be on my list. Um, yeah. See, serious yeah, contender for me for number one. To Seriously. Be yeah. 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 It's, it's sure. really, it's really up there. Um, and, and the performance, sorry, Ahmed, uh, Riz Ahmed's performance is uh, Oscar worthy. Yes. I mean, it is yes. phenomenal. He bears his soul yes. in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You know, you know, Jeff, the thing I was thinking about, I, I did think about you when I watched this movie because, uh, you know, I, I hope you feel like I was uh, with you during that time, right? Oh, like in, in the way I could be, right? Um, yeah. When you were like, your your eyesight was threatened. And, and um, as I was watching Riz Ahmed play this character, the thing I thought about was like, Oh my gosh, like this is a guy who like like despite everything that happened to you and I'm sure it must have been like very challenging, you have like tons of fans, family, like supportive people, you have like some amount of like a financial cushion, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. then seeing this guy in this movie who has like literally none of those things. He has like not only none of those things but like no tools to deal with this. Um that's what struck me is like wow, like somebody who has all the like many advantages of life could probably I could see them like making a go of this and, and being successful and um but then like somebody like this who like doesn't have any of the tools to deal with this who like has previously been an addict um I think he's I just, remarkably mm -hmm. self sufficient in this movie though I yeah. think he, yeah 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 he is well, we, we uh, catch him at a good point too yeah we catch him at, like on the yeah. upswing of his yeah. life right so yeah. at the, that's him at the beginning of the film but mm -hmm. um anyway that's I, it, it did occur to me and um as I was watching the movie and um. Uh, but I think one thing that that uh, struck me as watching this movie, reading Zach's email, right, is like, is that deaf people think of themselves as a community, and that like mm -hmm. there's a lot we uh, who are not deaf that we can do to like honor that, right, in the way we talk sure. about it, yeah, uh, and the way we think about it. Um, the thing that struck me most about this movie, honestly, uh, about ten minutes into the movie. Uh, you, uh, the character, Rizamet's character, Ruben, is in a hearing specialist's office. Yep. And the hearing specialist is breaking some very terrible news oh, to him man. about how yeah. his, like, his hearing is mostly gone. And he's like, he says to Rizamet's character, Ruben, the number one thing you got to devote all your effort yep. to right now is preserving the hearing that's already left. Mm -hmm. And then smash cut. the movie literally smash cuts to Ruben <sighs> that night playing in another metal concert that broke my heart and and oh, man. You, you know what struck me about that moment yeah. is the desire for everything to go back to normal mm -hmm. is so strong in humans and sure i, I think we this movie was obviously made before the pandemic um but that's something i've been struck by this this year is people desperately want things to go back to normal so badly that they will risk dying for it. Yes. And and so it's not too much of a stretch to for like some guy to risk losing a little bit more of his hearing that he's already lost a bunch of. Um yeah. but to, it's also, you know, it, rem yeah. it reminds me of the movie uh The Wrestler, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you know it's the same kind of thing where the doctor says you can't do this anymore and it's it's 
it's their whole identity, yeah. it's all right? I it's am. everything yeah. they are. Exactly. It's all I am. It's all I have to cling to. There's no giving that up. And, and yeah. I, yeah, I think it's powerful. So, I mean, this movie completely obliterated me. Like it, it just destroyed me. And, um, we've talked about Derek C. and Francis movies and yes. his work before. Uh, this The guy who directed and wrote this, by the way, Darius Martyr, uh, collaborated with Derek C. and France. Um, he, Darius Martyr uh, wrote The Place Beyond the Pines, I believe, yeah, which is a which, Derek C. and France movie. I, I can see a clear like line between that movie and this one, too, and the way C. and France portrays drama. You know, we've talked think, about that so much, yeah. I think that, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Derek C. and France's latest series, uh, I Know This Much Is True, which I felt was just... A utter like misery porn it just like mm-hmm. completely non-stop just everything in this guy's life sucks and i think that there needs to be the the movie can ultimately like it, it you don't need to be a hopeful movie but you need right, to have right. some hope you, you can't you can't <laughs> yeah. just be like completely non-stop hopelessness and 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 bleakness he otherwise really, he really exists in that space by the way like between blue valentine and the place beyond the pines and the light between oceans which we reviewed which i actually mm, really yeah, enjoy yeah. too yeah, yeah. W- which so I, I guess i would argue that all those movies you just listed mm-hmm. uh, actually do strike a relatively good balance right, right. um they are more heavily on the tragic side um but i would argue that this movie sound of metal also does the same thing which is that mm-hmm. i do think that despite how there's multiple moments where I actually I almost got angry at the movie, not because the movie's bad in any way, but I'm just like, you are really hugging on those heart. You are yeah. yanking the heartstrings, and you know this is gonna make me cry, and you did it anyway, and it happens multiple times. Like it happens like five <laughs> every, or every six scene, times. Every like, scene of this movie is an emotional <laughs> gut punch. Fire, I'm just like, man. I can't believe you're doing this movie. And then, but yeah. then uh, the movie is also very hopeful, and I think it does balance those two things really well so that's the other thing i want to praise mm-hmm. about this movie is that like a movie like this could be non-stop uh just bleak bleakness hopelessness like you're, you're you have nothing to look forward to nothing to look up and um there are a lot of tragedies in the movie mm-hmm. but there is also hope and there's a lot of uh things to make you think and why don't we talk about those in spoilers so uh let's get to spoilers for sound of metal starting right now now you're looking for the secret. You're gonna see this coming. No. But you won't find it because of course. You're not gonna see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. Uh I mean, let me just list a couple of the scenes that I described, right? Like mm-hmm. one of them is when Olivia Cook's character leaves him in the parking lot. I mean, just absolutely yeah. brutal yeah. uh and and i'm like as i was watching it i was thinking um is this really where the scene would have happened like wouldn't she have wouldn't she have left him like at the place because she you know maybe she wouldn't have trusted him to not yeah. take care of himself well, she needed but that one that moment of him just freaking out well really it's way yeah him. it's way dramatically it's way more effective that it happens in the middle of this like kind of yeah. empty parking lot um the the one thing that kind of i was like Hmm. Not sure if the movie it took a little shortcut there. Was I don't think it fully laid out the stakes of the cochlear implant. Yeah, right? yeah. They, somebody um, would have warned him. Yeah, that, somebody like, would have warned this him. This wouldn't and, be normal, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, they wouldn't. So, so basically, in the movie, Riz Ahmed's character Ruben decides to 
take all of his money in the world and invest mm-hmm. it in a cochlear implant, which I've, I've, in real life cost around like thirty to fifty thousand dollars. So it's a huge expense. And um, what is not explained in the movie, and you you learn it, but they don't explain it to you beforehand, is number one, it will eliminate the remaining hearing that used to be there. Right. And because yeah. uh, you're sawing through kind of what's yeah, left. Yeah. It, yeah. So it's it's gone. And then also, it's not like your previous hearing will be restored. It's just, uh, as they explain in the movie, it's like your brain is tricking your, or your, the implant is tricking your brain into thinking you're hearing things. So it's a, it's a kind of distorted version of, um, uh, of what uh, one, one person would regularly hear in those circumstances. And it sounds like metal. Yeah. It, yeah. It sounds like metal. And so it's uh, it, when he realizes this is tragic. And of course, a final scene when he's sitting there and he takes the, the implant off, which is a, like a brilliant mirroring of the mm-hmm. opening scene with him mm-hmm. in the uh, in the yeah. concert. Right. It's just. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it broke it broke my heart because at that moment he had lost everything. Right. And that's he'd lost even what was left of his hearing. And and. This is the thing that I felt like, again, I know this movie isn't about the pandemic. It's not a pandemic movie, but it just felt like he he's raging very reasonably, very reasonable for someone in his position. He's raging against what he has lost. He's, he's trying with everything he can to get back to where he was. But in doing so, it's costing him even what he had. Yep. You know what I mean? And I feel like in, in a year in which like we see all kinds of outlandish, irrational behavior in the world – uh, that message really resonated with me. So hmm. just wanted to share yeah. a few thoughts on, on the ending of the movie and just that last scene. I mean, and oh, also the moment, yeah. the moment when he like looks at his, his ex-girlfriend, I guess. And he's like, it's okay. And yeah. just, that's like uh, the that, Robin that Williams, is, um, oh, the Robin man. Williams, uh, it's not your fault moment. Yeah. It's just like, that's yeah. totally, that was totally the moment for me. Yeah. yeah. And I do, I do give the movie a lot of credit though, because I thought for sure we were going to show up and she was going to be dating somebody else and right? it was going to be yes. that movie. Same. You know, same. I love, it's much more subtle and nuanced than that, right? It's, it's Her beautiful. life is on a like, different path now. Yeah. It's on a different path, but it's not, it it's yeah. not the obvious new path. It's not Correct. the like, yeah. it's not the, there's just a, a replacement for you and you have to get used to it. It's, mm-hmm. it was so much more nuanced and I, I really appreciated that. The other thing was, uh, I don't know if this was intentional, but it landed on me. The casting of, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Matthew. Matthew Almarek. Almarek, yeah, from The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Which is one of those touchstone movies for me that I I will never shake. It is a movie I think about all the time. Uh, I saw it all the way back in 2007, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. It is a movie that I will never not have with me. For those um, who don't know, it's like it's about a guy who gets locked in syndrome, which means he can perceive everything that's going on around him, but he can't move his body. Yeah, he can um, basically he communicates by blinking. That is yeah. the only thing he can do, and that is a movie that brings you th- into that experience in an intimate way. That is that shook me to the point where here we are, thirteen years later, and I I still think about it. Um, and I I don't I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a beautiful casting sort of echo of that movie obviously very different but similarly about um you know this experience of the body uh you know being inside a body that is not cooperating with what you want Mm -hmm. uh and um i don't know it, it kind of was an interesting overlap for me yeah uh, agreed. Go, going back to the, I, I was kind of surprised at that 
at that character and the actor too. And I, I kind of liked the relationship they had, you know, because yeah. most of the time you see this kind of thing where it's like rich dad and uh, the kind of, you know, punk rock or heavy metal rock uh, s- like uh, yeah, yeah. boyfriend who takes the daughter away. Yeah. It's like a very antagonistic relationship. And he's yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to make you some eggs. I love it. Yeah, but you could yeah. totally see, you could totally see like why that character might be okay with Ruben, right? Like yeah. based on mm-hmm. everything that those, you know, Ruben and um, and uh, Lou had been through. So, um, yeah. yeah, but but uh, the other thing is just like it wasn't clear to me at the time how transgressive Ruben's actions were in going to get the implant. Man. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. uh, I didn't know that it would get him kicked out of his his whole situation. Um, which I'm like, I, I think about it, I'm like, hmm, would the movie have been more effective if I did know? You know, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. um... I think, like, they laid out the rules there, right? Like, when he had brought up that possibility, uh, Joe was just like, we, you know, here we don't believe it's something that's to be fixed. And I feel like that was... He said it, you know, and Ruben knew exactly what he was doing. Um, but man, seeing him just sell his life off to make this thing happen because it's his one gateway to happiness is, yeah, that's a whole sequence I'm never going to forget. You know, and, I mean, it frames it man. frames uh, going back to your old life as like uh, an addict who's jonesing, basically. Like, yeah. like well, that's it, I mean, it's explicit, yeah. right? Joe says yeah. that to him. He says you're behaving like an addict. Yeah. yeah. And it, 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 I guess it makes one think of like behaviors one like you do uh, that might be like attempting to go back to a time where that's impossible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For yeah, me, at least, the, for me. Going to the movies. <laughs> yeah, going to the movies. Exactly right. <laughs> so, well, th- this is also partially why I'm thinking like, yeah, we we want to get back to where things were. If 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 movie theaters reboot in some way, somebody saved AMC or something and things were safe, we'll we'll be back there. You know, we will give it a couple of years to kind of even out, but I do think we want to be back there. Um, another thing that I really appreciate about this movie, by the way, is just that this this I don't know. It's a it's a helping house. It's a it's a place for him for where Riz Ahmed goes to kind of learn to deal with losing his hearing. Um, it is also a place where that is helping previous addicts. And it's a combination of a couple of things, right? Because we've seen the movies where people go into um, into go into rehab to try to get better. And this is a movie where the guy has already gone through that. He's trying to hold on to his, you know, his safe, clean life. But now he's lost something even deeper. I felt like balancing those two things was also particularly uh, like interesting. There's a lot of drama there. And I love the crowd of people at that place too. Like everybody has their own story. I love how this movie doesn't explain half the things happening sometimes. And you're just forced to go like, try to understand it along through. Yeah. Right. The, the I, whole montage. Those, oh, sorry. Go mm-hmm. ahead, Jeff. Yeah. I was just saying one of those things for me that I thought was so beautiful and such a wonderful shorthand that communicates so much is when he says, uh, you know, how long you've been sober four years. Mm-hmm. And then later it's, um, Oh, how long have you been with Lou? Four years. Four years. Like 30 yeah. seconds later. So yeah. beautiful. Oh. It's like, oh, so perfect, exquisite. Like we get so much. The movie has to say not a single extra word about it. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so many moments like that. Or when he's asking like about like whether he's used recently, he's like, today's not a good day, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I don't think he's been using, but it's just like you can imagine yeah. how difficult his life is. Um. Anyway, 
incredible film just completely destroyed me multiple times uh i'm never going to be able to stop thinking about it completely random note by the way he goes to this uh asl like uh uh i guess it's like an elementary school or something Mm -hmm. like that right Mm -hmm. like and um he first of all he meets this the teacher there who's played by lauren ridloff um, I don't know if you guys know this. First of all, I saw Lauren Ridloff in the in the movie, and I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, what a strikingly beautiful person who is a yeah, this teacher just a side in this character. place. Yeah. Um, but uh, she is a very well known actress. She's actually going to be in the Eternals, the mm-hmm. Chloe Zhao movie. Um, so uh, big big shout out for her. Uh, yeah, she's and, so beautiful. You go, well, there's going to be a love interest there, yeah, right? I, I, <laughs> Those I two are falling it, in love. I actually yeah. thought it might go that way because he yeah. has to make this whole choice about like whether to stay behind or uh, stay yeah. at this place or leave. I actually thought it was going to go that way. I, I feel like um, a lesser movie would have done that. This movie kind agreed. of veers away from everything a lesser movie would have done. I yeah. 100% agree. Veers away from I, I, the cliches, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. But I, I thought all that stuff with the kids in the school was so beautiful. The the mon- It's like there's like montages, basically. Like you see him... There's this moment when he's learning his name in uh, wow. sign language, and all the kids like hold up the letter. I think it's the letter R. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just like, um, yeah. it's and that just whole a, sequence is silent. That whole montage yes. is silent to the viewer, uh, and you and and none of it is subtitled. Right. In fact, it's not until very late in the movie that they subtitle any of the sign language. Yeah which I thought was so beautiful because you're in it with him. Like he doesn't know what they're saying and, and neither did I. I, I. I thought that was amazing. And there's that sequence when all of them are standing around the piano and the camera starts on the piano player and we hear this exquisite, and it's making me cry just right now. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, we hear this exquisite piano music and then the camera pulls back and you see them all with their hands on the top of the piano. It's... Sorry, ah, it's something, man. It's a it's a beautiful movie. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. All that stuff with the school, the kids, and but them he's learning connecting with them through drumming too, which right. is yeah. one of yeah, yeah one of the few instruments you can actually kind of still get a sense of, right? And he's communicating with the kid and pianos. By the way, percussion instruments too. So it is, it's all really evocative and all really like. I love how he kind of found himself in the power of his drumming back because also as a as a former drummer and nobody nearly is like talented or successful as this character. I really appreciated this too. Uh, I thought of whiplash quite a bit in this mm. movie because drumming is a very punishing thing. You know, it can, you get, you got to have your upper body strength, you know, you got to be as ripped as Riz Ahmed. Basically uh, you can get bloody while playing it, but also it's demanding in so many other ways. And as a punishing story of a drummer trying to, you know, understand the world where he cannot hear anymore i also found that really compelling well apparently he spent seven months learning how to drum and uh and yeah. learning sign language he looks so. good yeah all right well those are our thoughts on the sound of uh, on sound of metal uh one of the most incredible films we've seen this year i hope you all have a chance to check it out um and that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the slash filmcast you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Check out Kyle's YouTube channel. And our uh, weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Next week, we're going to be discussing Tenet, guys. Finally! It's going to be exciting. And we have wow. a very exciting guest. I'm not going to say who it is. 
but it's somebody whose work I really admire, and he Blister has never been Blolin. on the podcast before. Yeah, yeah. Blister. His name rhymes with Blister for Blolin. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not him. It's not him. Uh, but it's someone whose work I really look up to and I admire. And it's his first time on the podcast. I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want to jinx it. You know, people mm-hmm. can like fall through at the last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm excited about it, and uh, our review is going to be tenant next week. Tune in. And uh, we also have After Dark coming up about the Disney announcements. So stay, stay tuned for that as well. Uh, check that out at patreon.com slash film podcast. Get it sooner than everyone else. Thanks for listening. We'll see you very soon.